0: Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Shure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you.
1: Hi, I'm Mark Cole, Director of Photography of the Quest, and you're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull. Rock podcast, talking all things Disney with your hosts El John Go and Dave
0: Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast, the show about all things Disney and pop culture. Every week, we take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, what's streaming what is playing in theaters, and what's going on in the entire universe of entertainment. I'm Al John Go, musician and longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culture fan. And you can email me at John A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com.
1: And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at Dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Al John, happy Fourth of July. Happy post Fourth of July! How's that? <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's. Uh, it, it, I'm back. I'm back in uh, broiling Los Angeles. going to be 95 <laughs> degrees today, yes. um, yeah. and I'm really missing Napa Valley. Oh, uh, and and you know what else I'm uh, missing? I'm missing using my uh, portable. Uh, Skull Rock Mobile Studio <laughs> Shaw microphone. Yes. That's right. Shaw microphone. Sound extraordinary.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> MD7 podcast kit. Yes. Uh, you know, hey, listen, you know yeah.
1: what? We're going to keep giving them a shout out because they were so nice in outfitting our, uh, our Skull Rock studios, both in Nashville and, and
0: uh, the Portable Studio. Absolutely. You know, they say, uh, anytime we need anything, Dave, they're here for us. So. Well, we'll,
1: well I, do. I, boy, I hope they know what they're they're
0: saying I when they say well, that. Hey, <laughs> You know, I'll we, put a shopping list together. No kidding, no kidding. <laughs> no, they're they're very great. They're great folks, and you are too for tuning into this show, Dave. Um, you know, you you're back there, um, where it's nice and hot. Uh, I'm here where it's nice and humid. It yeah. is like not. It's like 99 uh, humidity. You know, I don't even know why. That, that's like 99%. That, that's basically rain. Yeah, it's basically rain. <laughs> <laughs> you go outside. And and it's like oh um did I actually do this to my hair <laughs> like what happened to me you know wow. but it is super hot and I hope you're comfortable wherever uh, you are listening to the show this week um, we love occasionally doing shows uh, off the cuff. And this week, Dave, we're talking about some projects that you worked on when you're uh, when you were over at Disney. You want to talk, uh, tease a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we, we, we're going to have a chat about World of Color for Dis, you know, Disney's California Adventure uh, at the Disneyland Resort. Yes, and uh, we're going to also talk a little bit about the Mine Train, uh, the Dwarf Mine Train uh Seven Dwarf Mine Train down in uh Walt Disney World. Yeah.
0: So we're we're going to go bi coastal on this show. I love it. I love it. So we've got something for everybody today. But before we get into that, uh Dave, I have to tell you that Thor Love and Thunder rocked. Did it? I get it. it 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 was it was great. I'm going to see it later today. I can't I can't wait for us to talk about it, um probably on next week's show. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> You know,
1: it's getting it was getting sort of some tepid uh, reviews, uh, but you loved it, huh?
0: I really did. You know, I okay. don't know why people are so. You know what? I think we've come into this this realm of this is why we can't have nice things because the trolls come out and they spoil everything. They want to crap on anything. But I come into it not only as a fan, but as someone that just enjoys going to the movies, and I absolutely loved it. I thought Taika's work was great. I thought the story paid homage and and notes to the comic book source material, so kudos to that. And I thought it moved the story along. It was rather brisk. So okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil anything for you.
1: Fantastic! It sounds like a great summer movie, and I'm looking forward to seeing it on an IMAX screen. There you friends. go.
0: Yeah, I saw it in the, oh, the uh, drive-in. So there you have it. Um, right. So having said that, we're going to talk more about Thor: Love and Thunder from Marvel Studios in a little bit. But Dave, um, uh, for me, the last thing I, I was looking at was uh, Miss Marvel. Of course, it's still doing really, really well. Good. And I will say that uh, this is, I guess, the last episode coming up real soon. And I saw a movie last night that I don't even want to mention. Uh, it was that bad. Really, yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen a bad film. Well, forever.
1: come on, spill the beans because I, I we need to warn the, warn our listeners not to uh, to stumble on it. Okay, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it because it was so bad. Like I didn't even I, I I just it was just really bad. I'll let you I'll let you go ahead and speak and and talk about All your right. streaming, and I'll I'll find it.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I started watching, uh, and I watched six episodes of The Terminal List, which stars Chris Pratt, uh, and it's on uh, Prime. Love it. And uh, I have to tell you, um, uh, some in my house uh, were not that thrilled with it, uh, uh, but I I actually have enjoyed it. So uh, I'll just give you a brief on it. It's uh, it's a uh, Uh, Chris Pratt plays a character named James Reese. He returns home after his entire platoon of Navy SEALs is ambushed on a mission only to discover new dark forces working against him and endangering the ones he loves. So this is, you know, uh, a pretty interesting uh, um, uh, limited series. It's eight episodes. So I'm going to try and finish it this coming week. Uh, but I've actually enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, if you like those kinds of Navy SEALs, this is kind of a, a revenge sort of plot, you know, because yeah. he's the only survivor out of his platoon. And there's there's some uh, undercurrents of uh, dark stuff that was going on. And he's exacting revenge uh, against those people that uh, uh, really – put his his guys in danger and ultimately killed his guys so um i watched that i am continuing to watch the old man with jeff bridges which just keeps getting better and better and that's, oh, that's uh, cool. an fx show uh-huh. that we're watching on hulu right um and then i also watched uh, season eight of endeavor which is really only three episodes Um, Endeavor uh, is a great Masterpiece theater PBS uh, program uh, And I watched that on Prime And then I've watched a bunch of episodes of a very funny show called uh, Wellington paranormal. And this is another one from uh, uh, our friend uh, Watiki. Yeah. Uh, uh, And uh, it it follows (laughs) a group of police investigators as they track Supernatural events in New Zealand I love it The crew looks into cases of demon possession Haunted houses and blood bank robberies Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's hysterical It's done in a, sort of a mockumentary uh, style Yeah, yeah uh, And and the episodes are about a half hour So it's actually very funny Some familiar faces that you might uh, recognize From some of the Watiki uh, um, shows that That's have awesome. been on So, uh, I, you know, again if you want a good laugh it's uh it's pretty funny
0: i love i love taika you know it's great when a director does his work and then he it's got his fingerprints i mean it's so stylistically him you know or her yeah so it's 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 really cool when that happens um okay so here's the film uh it is while we sleep and (laughs) kristen and i have been jonesing for a horror movie because we haven't seen him in a while and this one is available on amazon prime and it 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 is observing a hauntingly familiar abnormal cat scan from a 13 year old girl radiologist nina Ivanko battles to find the source of the young girl's sleeping disorder so this is kind of like a low budge uh uh, exorcist type of movie but it is so extremely bad I gave it a two out of 10, just so you know. Really that I bad, it, huh? Yeah, it's like, you know, 30 minutes in, I'm like, am I, re- Kristen, are we really going to devote the next hour of our lives to watching this? And she goes, well, we're already 30 minutes in. And then I said this like 15 minutes later. She goes, well, we're almost d- We're almost done. And I said, the exorcist <laughs> hasn't even come in yet. Wow. You know, it's, it's, uh, and it's so bad. Anyway, you
1: know, I, I have to tell you, though, it's like I've I've started watching something and you get so far into it and you realize this is terrible. And then it's sort of like you can't look away. You just have to finish it. So
0: we had one experience that was like that, Dave, when we were actually in a theater to watch Ashley Judd's movie Bug.
1: <laughs> I, never, I never saw it. Yeah. This I was never like even 10 heard of it. Ago.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, we were in the theater and literally everyone walked out of the theater. Everyone walked out and I'm sitting there going, it's Ashley Judd. It should be pretty good. And, you know, Chris and I are sitting there going, I can't believe we stayed through the whole thing. Wow. You know, it was just so bad. So those two movies are on my never watch, don't ever, you know, don't spend your time on it list.
1: Well, I, I, I got to tell you, the one movie I walked out of and I didn't even have to pay to go see it because oh. I saw it uh, at the uh, the Disney Studio Theater. OK, uh, uh, then this I'm dating myself because this is probably like 30 years ago. <laughs> baby the lost legend
0: oh my lord
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i literally got up with nancy and we walked out it was so bad
0: oh um who was uh, who produced
1: that? that that was done by disney yeah i know the um it was the dinosaur uh picture and i have to tell you it was hilarious because they actually had uh, people in rubber
0: dinosaur suits. Yes. Jumping I mean, around. We talked about that with one I of I think your,
1: many, many months ago. Yes. Yeah,
0: we talked about that and I just laughed. And then it's like, there's some, you know, great actors in there. You've got uh, William Cat, you've got Sean Young in there, but uh, it. Didn't look so good.
1: It, 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 was, it was terrible, I have to tell you. I, uh, I always, anytime somebody says something was terrible and they walked out of the theater or they, they shut it off or whatever, I always think of Baby the Lost Legend and have oh, a good laugh.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know if that's on Disney Plus, but I'm going to look it up.
1: I, it might be, it you might know, be. I
0: think we were talking about that with that what Alice in Wonderland uh, that had come out um, during that time in the early 80s. I'm trying to remember what it was, or I don't remember. Anyway. What was it a
1: li- uh, The uh, was it a live action, Alice? It was Lunderman?
0: live action. I think this it was is way
1: be, way before Tim Burton ever tackled.
0: I it. think so. Yes, yeah. yeah way yeah. way before that. But anyway, hey, uh, let us know what films you've walked out. <laughs> well, anyway, hey, and so then- yeah, well, I tell you what, I let's go ahead and get into some news, shall we? Yeah, yeah. let's let's do that. Mm-hmm skull rock podcast ripped from the headlines it's skull rock podcast headline news the love and thunder of thor breaks box office records it's heading for a cool 135 million to 145 million dollar opening it's ahead of the 122 million opening of thor ragnarok which by the way was great directed by our friend taika watiti and
1: yeah I mean I I can't wait to see it I, I I'm not surprised that this movie is opening this big
0: yeah yeah it was uh it had a Friday haul of almost 70 million and then almost 30 million in its uh, Thursday preview. so it's uh it's going Gangbusters. So another reason for everyone to go out there and and check out this uh, franchise uh, film from Marvel Studios. Of course, Natalie Portman returns, as well as Tessa Thompson, Jamie Alexander, and, of course, Taika Waititi and Russell Crowe are also headliners in this film, along with Christian Bale, Batman, in a Marvel movie, playing, wow. playing the big baddies. So looking forward to that. And, 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 yeah.
1: I, and there's been a lot of buzz about Natalie Portman's biceps.
0: She's got guns. Does she? Yeah, she brought the guns. I mean, she, looks, right. she looks great. I don't know how much of that was enhanced with special effects or if she just worked out you know like crazy but uh, natalie portman to me will always be you know the star wars uh you know queen amidala black swan kind of very petite and you know with that great smile of hers but man she brought the guns she brought the guns to the gun show awesome Dave. yeah awesome yeah So another headline that you bring us, Dave, is Hulu facing this existential crisis as Disney approaches a 2024 deadline to buy the Comcast 33% stake of the company. This comes to us from CNBC, Dave. Um, You know, as as the streaming wars continue, um, wouldn't it be great to have a a non-branded streaming service that Disney owns or Do we just go ahead and wrap it all in as Disney Plus? You
1: know, listen, I, I think they should keep it as a standalone. And I think that, you know, again, you know, when you talk about Disney Plus, you really have to manage that brand, that Disney brand. You know, and certainly underneath Disney Plus, you have those. You know, you have uh, Star Wars, you have Marvel, you have Pixar, you have Disney Animation, you have Disney Nature or Nat Geo, whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, listen, I I personally think that they should keep Hulu the way it is and buy it out from, uh, uh, you know, buy out Universal stake, uh, but. That's just me, but when you read this article, there's a there's a lot of pros and cons. Uh, you know, pros to keep it and cons to get rid of it. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. I think if they gave it, you know, if they sold it to uh, Universal, you're basically handing them an established platform. Yeah. Uh, you know, because Peacock is is trailing, you know, and and having difficulty, I think, getting traction. Um and, and and it may be because they don't have a plus on the end of their name. <laughs> like
0: Paramount Plus and, <laughs> and, and Apple Plus, Apple plus and Disney Plus. And everybody plus. <laughs> it's like Lord. But
1: yeah. but uh, you know, look, I I uh, I enjoy a lot of shows on Hulu and I hope they keep it as a standalone uh uh platform, and it's certainly a place where they can put more adult fare. Mm-hmm. uh without tarnishing uh the disney uh
0: brand well i've got the hulu bundle with disney plus yeah. and uh we got espn so you know we so we can uh, check out all the hockey we want so yeah. there you go well we'll only only time will tell yep um uh, for the duffer brothers the team and duo behind stranger things looks like they're gonna do a spinoff series and launch a production company upside down pictures this is a big deal for these guys
1: Oh, yeah, these guys are stepping into the big time. Uh, They've got a bunch of shows in development uh this is great i i look forward to uh uh seeing what these guys uh create next
0: well it looks like they are well on their way to working on death note which is a japanese manga story that turned into a uh 2017 live action film that i absolutely enjoyed i enjoyed that and they're going to be doing a tv series based on it it should be very very good Uh, death note is a very cool cool comic so uh looking forward to seeing what they do another one of my I, i've been known to be the kevin smith of the electric guitar world dave you know <laughs> uh and i love kevin smith and he is unveiling the clerks three trailer it looks like uh, we've got a sequel to the indie film cult classic for two nights september th- 13th and 15th and it looks like uh, we're going to be revisiting the old crew from clerks um, you yeah. Yeah, I, I, are you a big fan of the uh, Kevin Smith uh, films? Because he, talk about a director that has his fingerprints and his, his style in every film that he does. Kevin Smith is one of those guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, and he just keeps milking the clerks, yeah. you know. I, by the way, you know, I worked on the animated clerks. You, you I, did I, mention I have that. a screen credit on uh, on uh, uh, some of the episodes. I did some special effects work on uh, on that series. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, listen, I, I I watched the trailer and I just laughed. I just thought, you know, I'll I'll see this movie.
0: It's ridiculous. It's, it is it's, it's absurd it's just like um you know that movie that he made about the seal oh my goodness i mean that was just insane so but anyway clerks three you know i'm gonna see it um yeah. so there you go there you have it uh amazon brings lord of the rings thursday and thursday night football into prime day push uh prime day is only a few days away dave and i'm i'm saving my pennies for all the things i don't need <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christmas in July, as it were. But here there we have all these Lord of the Rings things that are that are going. Dave, I know it's going to surprise you and our listeners, but I am not a Lord of the Rings fan. You're not. I am not. It was so yeah. hard for me to sit through... Um, uh, jackson's lord of the rings trilogy trilogy really And it was really hard i it, it was I, I to this day have not seen a complete one now, i've seen the original um lord of the rings animation from the 80s which uh, i grew up the watching Baxi
1: version yeah the
0: batchy version was, was great i yeah. thought as a kid but mm-hmm. i have not done anything with with this i wonder if i should give this a shot
1: i you know i think you should i i watched the trailer for this and boy production values off the charts looks it uh i mean it really is and so i'm i'm real curious i i want to watch it uh i'm looking forward to seeing it look i i'm not a you know off the charts uh, uh lord of the rings fan but i've seen all the lord of, lord of the rings films wow yeah. uh, and i think they're very well done uh and uh, you know he creates a really compelling world uh and uh i certainly uh have enjoyed them uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna give this uh series uh from amazon prime uh a uh a chance i'm gonna watch it
0: well in this article along with lord of the rings it looks like they're also doing this uh thursday night football did you see that, that they're doing that
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, again, the the uh, the real battle right now is on these uh, sports contracts, you Mm. know, television contracts. Uh, You know, there's a lot of uh, battling going over on uh, the Sunday ticket, you know, Uh, you know, between Disney and uh, Amazon and
0: whoever else. Yeah. Yeah. One to watch. I, I'm looking forward to checking out how their f- coverage differs from uh, other football broadcasts. Just just to see. But, uh, yeah. you know, we'll just have to see. You know, this week was a really tough week for entertainment because we lost a lot of legends uh, in the industry. And uh, we have a list here. And this is sad with the regrets for this week. But James Con, the leading man of Hollywood, dies at 82. Wow. I'm a James Con fan. You know, uh, James Kahn, the star who played Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. There you go. He yeah, had Wednesday no, night. And, and,
1: and you know something, uh, my brother-in-law Bob uh, uh, has worked with uh, worked with James Kahn for the last twenty years, doing a charity golf uh, tournament that James Kahn did. Wow.
0: Uh,
1: here in Los Angeles, and said he was just a super nice guy. Wow. Uh and uh you know it's very different from his screen persona.
0: Yeah, he's definitely and, a tough guy uh, yeah. that that people know. Um so yeah, definitely check out his work. I mean, it's prolific for many many years. Uh, yeah. You I, know
1: and and one of the films that I I really enjoyed him in was Misery. Uh oh, the Stephen King film. 100%. You know, where where James Khan plays an author who's kidnapped
0: by a crazy fan. 100 percent and i thought yeah like kathy
1: it. bates is fantastic right
0: i think that made that that gave him uh, another career like his second yeah you know second wind from playing uh these tough guy films uh and then gave him another uh dimension to his character and, and the stuff he plays and same with uh kathy bates i mean she just sprung from there so, yeah
1: and and the other the other film that really introduced James Con to to a newer generation of uh, moviegoers was uh, elf right? yeah. you know his role in the film elf with uh, you, um, uh, you know there was a great cast in there you know will Farrell yes. obviously was the headliner but you know Ed Asner plays Santa Claus and then you have um. um uh, Peter Dinklage yeah. uh, from Game of Thrones, who's in there uh, as a story expert. Uh, it was just fantastic.
0: I yeah. mean, just really, really well-cast film. 100%. And and a holiday classic. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, you have to see it every year. You yeah. Know? Another legend also passes away. Um, you being a big Sopranos fan, Dave. Tony yeah. Cicero passes away at the age of 79. And... I am less familiar with some of his roles, but he's like he, he's everywhere. I mean, I knew him from The Sopranos, of course, but uh, you know you you probably know him from a variety of different things. Just looking at him, he's he's been a character actor for so long in these different yeah. No, he's
1: been in a lot of stuff. And uh, what was sad about this, and you know, I had no idea, but you know, he he died in an assisted living facility in Florida and had dementia. Oh, no. and I, and I had no idea. You know, Uh, I thought that was very sad.
0: Well, I do know him um, from Goodfellas, you know, so that's where a lot of other people know him from as well. Uh, Another distinguished actor uh, for many, many generations, Larry Storch, Corporal Randolph Agarn on F Troop, passes away at the age of ninety nine. He almost made three digits, Dave.
1: Yeah, almost. And you know something, I I I was mentioning before the show uh, that. He had a reputation of being an incredibly nice guy. Uh, He was great friends with Tony Curtis. A lot of people don't realize that. And, uh, and Larry Storch was in a, a ton of movies. The Prince Who Was a Thief, 1951. Who Was That Lady, 1960. 40 Pounds of Trouble, 1962. Captain Newman, M.D., 1963. Sex and the Single Girl, 1964. Wild and Wonderful, 1964. And The Great Race, 1965. Uh, And of course, you know, he was in uh, Car 54, Where Are You? He, He was in Get Smart. He was friends with uh, Don Adams, they were uh, old high school friends. Yeah. Uh, he was on the Doris Day show, and of course, you know, he's known for F Troop because you know they only made 65 episodes of F Troop, it ran from September of '65 through April of uh 1967. But I mean, that was a favorite in syndication that ran for years yeah. in syndication. I mean, it was just really amazing, and um. You know, I got to tell you something. Uh, a lot of people don't realize it, but he had this huge, huge career as a voiceover actor. Yes. Uh, and uh, he was uh, uh, he was uh, uh, the knowledgeable Mr. Whoopi, uh, the man with all the answers on the Tennessee tuxedo and his tails yes. show, which aired from 63 to 66. Um, and he also uh, voiced uh, all kinds of uh, characters, uh, including a reboot of uh, Max Fleischer's Coco the Clown mm-hmm. uh, that was, re, you know, rebooted in 1962 in a syndicated series out of the inkwell. So he had this massive, uh, voiceover career he played the joker in batman and the superman hour in 1960 starting in 1968 uh, and he was in cartoons like sabrina and the teenage witch and the brady kids uh, he did guest roles on gilligan's island Mannix, Columbo, phyllis the love boat chips Uh, married with children, the great bank robbery film. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, the happy hooker goes to Washington, uh, silence of the hams. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just really an amazing, amazing career. And, uh, you know, I have to say uh, what a life, what a career and, and a career that lives on in all of these films and animated
0: shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember him from the Brady Kids because I was a big Brady Bunch <laughs> fan. Definitely, even the uh, Hanna Barbera stuff. So very well, everyone, rest in peace. You will be missed, but as Dave says, you're going to be, uh, you live leave behind a tremendous catalog of work for all of us you, to enjoy. You
1: know, I, I do want to mention one last person who passed away recently, uh, LQ Jones. Oh yes, uh, he he was ninety four, and again, here's a guy who you don't know his name. Most people aren't going to know LQ Jones, but boy, if you watch westerns, if you're a fan of westerns, he was in the wild bunch uh, and he was part of Sam Peckinpah's posse of actors. Uh, and I have to tell you, when, when you look at his face, you go Oh my gosh, I remember him. <laughs> yes. You know, he was in the Wild Bunch. He was in Ride the High Country. Uh, he was, uh, he played one of the bad guys that hung uh, Clint Eastwood and uh, Hang 'em High 1968. Uh, he was in the Yellow Rose with Sam Elliott, Cymbal Shepherd, Chuck Connors. Um, I mean, you know, when you read his uh, resume, uh, he was just in this tremendous amount of uh, uh, of television shows, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, he was in movies and uh, a whole bunch of of TV shows, like The Virginian. Um, uh, let's see, Cheyenne, Gunsmoke, Laramie, uh, Wagon Train, Lassie, Rawhide, uh, Johnny Ringo, The Big Valley, Perry Mason. Uh, you know, he, he starred with, uh, Elvis Presley and love me tender there you go. and the Flamingo star, uh, Don Siegel's hell is for heroes, uh, the naked and the dead. Uh, he was actually considered by Stanley Kubrick to play the role of major TJ King Kong, uh, which eventually went to Sam Peck uh, Sam, uh, uh, excuse me, slim Pickens uh in the dr strange love uh love or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb in 1964 uh and he he couldn't do that role because he was tied up with another picture and he had to pass on it yeah, so yeah. just uh, you know again a, a tremendous career from from somebody uh who when you see his face you go oh my gosh i know who that is That's but right. you don't know his
0: name it's very distinct very distinct. Yeah. So,
1: so anyway, I want, I wanted to make sure we mentioned him too. So oh, yeah, uh, again, uh, an incredible body of work that lives on.
0: Yes. Thank you for that, Dave. Yes. Rest in peace. And we look forward to enjoying your entertainment for me for many, many more years to come. Yeah. It's interview time. It's interview should... time. Is it? Should I just go yeah, ahead and do that? Wow. Hey, in the green room, you, you come out of the green, I mean, here you are, you're bam, you're I, right here. I, I ran down the hall, I went into the green
1: room, I waited a <laughs> beat, and then I ran back out and came here. So. Uh,
0: you are a man of a million hats, Dave, uh, uh, as you are. Um, we are talking about some of the projects that you worked on at your time at Disney as a director of special projects. Is that, is that the right term? Cause you did. Well, you wore I was so had I, I,
1: I was head of special projects and I, I was a producer and a creative director uh, as well in that pro- special projects group. And, you know, we handled animation projects uh, all across the Walt Disney company. And I thought it might be fun to talk about uh, two separate projects. Uh, one was the world of color, which is, you know, re- uh, reopened, if you will. It's, mm-hmm. It started up again uh, after being shut down by the pandemic, and that's at Disney's California Adventure Park, which is part of the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California. And then I thought maybe we could talk about the Seven Dwarf Mine Coaster ride, mm-hmm. uh, which is in the uh, Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney
0: World yes yeah that that's great so we got both coasts covered uh as you mentioned alluded to it reopened the disney's world of color reopened at disney's california adventure in april mid-april but i want to take us back before we get into all this to play you a little clip okay see if this brings back any memories
1: Disney presents
0: Well, what a magical opening, Dave.
1: You know, and I, I have to tell you, it was a magical project to work on. It really was. And, and you know, I, you you had... Um, Uh, uh, alluded to the Christmas show uh, briefly. Yes. And uh, Lanny and Wayne uh, from Prep and Landing. Yes uh uh so one of the one of the beautiful things about the world of color is that it's a very modular type of show yeah so they can pull sections out and put sections in and so they can create a holiday version Mm -hmm. they can add in uh new uh film properties if you will uh as needed uh, to keep freshening up that show. So it's always something new. And that's, that's what I really liked about, uh, about it. And I have to tell you, the genius of that show goes to uh, Steve Davison, uh, who was the show director uh, with uh, Imagineering. And I loved working with Steve Davison. He, he's just a brilliant creative mind. And uh, he was the Uber guy in charge of uh, putting that show together initially. And uh, Sarah Wiseman was the show producer uh, and they were a great team. And I absolutely loved working with them. Um, And I have to tell you, that's a big part of doing these types of projects is the teams they put together. Uh, which which I think is really amazing.
0: And there's a lot to unpack there, Dave. I mean, so you you talking about the team that put this together? You know, this attraction opened up June 11th of 2010, and I remember being there that year when it opened. We were act- Chris and I were actually um, season ticket holders for both parks during that era. And when did you know about this project? How were you brought in initially to this project in its conception?
1: Well, you know something, uh, there's a huge animation component to it. So naturally, uh, they reached out to uh, my special projects team, uh, which uh, was doing all of this work around the company. And uh, so we got looped in uh, early on. And I remember, you know, going over to the Imagineering facility and uh, sitting in a uh, a room, uh, with Steve Davison and Sarah Wiseman and a few other folks and Steve pitching the show. And, uh, you know, it, these types of shows are incredibly, um, uh, collaborative, uh, you know, cause there's, you know, it's not just, a, you know, a handful of people, it's, you know, hundreds of people working on these shows And, you know, one of the things with World of Color was they had to completely drain the lagoon uh, at California Adventure in order to install the whole fountain system. And, you know, there's 1,800 fountainheads uh, in in that uh, lagoon uh, just below the water surface, and uh, there's a whole bunch of... um, uh, nozzles to create the water screens uh, and they had never done water screens as big as you see in world of color before so those those water nozzles actually had to be developed you know they had to be invented and created Wow! Uh, in order to make those water screens you know because you're you're putting up a thin layer of water into a screen that is huge you know it's, it's very big mm-hmm. uh and how do you do that consistently it takes a lot of pumping power uh to pump the water through uh the nozzles have to be created a certain way um there was also a whole lighting team uh and they wound up getting a patent for the led lighting system that they invented for this uh the this uh the show um because each fountainhead uh has its own led lighting system Mm -hmm. you know and again all that has to get programmed actually i have to say that the control room for world of color is like walking into uh uh, the you know a nasa uh mission control you know <laughs> sure. I mean, we've all seen you know like the rows of desks and the huge wall with uh you know uh video screens on yeah. it at, at, you know at, at houston control center you know, johnson uh space center or whatever yeah, yeah. um there's a similar thing behind uh, behind the scenes at uh, California Adventure, you go into this building and there's tiered desks and there's a whole bunch of technicians uh, sitting at uh, uh, computer terminals and they're all facing a, a huge uh, video wall uh, where they're seeing the show from different angles and they can they can adjust that show on the fly. Um, Uh, Based on the wind conditions, Hmm. you know, if if there if there's, you know, uh, if the weather changes drastically, if there's winds that are knocking down some of the uh, water screens or disrupting the water screens, they can make changes uh, as needed uh, during the show.
0: I had no idea that was even possible. Um, So what are they doing in this particular case? Are they bringing the screens a little lower? Are they, uh they? They can adjust the screens. They can adjust the
1: lighting. They can decide not to have some of the screens up if they're getting wind gusts. Uh, Uh, so, you know, there, there's all kinds of, uh, decisions being made on the fly and it's all being based on, uh, what the particular weather conditions are going to be like, uh, and, and and I have to tell you, I think, I, I think world of color is a huge crowd pleaser at, uh, Disney's California adventure.
0: It's my favorite Dave. I love that show because it is so colorful. I remember seeing it for the first time, uh, on the year of its launch and just being floored, because it is absolutely gorgeous, the LED lighting technology. and something that I didn't know, it's a hydrotechnic show. Is that a that's got to be a term that uh, Disney pioneered and coined, because <laughs> I mean, I've, never that ter- I've never heard I've never heard that I, term I, before. You-
1: yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's certainly uh, uh, something. I, I, I honestly, they're constantly making up terminology, so that's all I can say. You know.
0: So you get brought into this think tank of wonderful show producers, imagineers. You guys are are thinking it out, and really. You know, this is a, a stage show. So do you, do you have your, your initial storyboards out and you're, you're kind of choreographing how these things go? Is it all done in previs, uh, special effects? How are you doing all this?
1: Well, you know, what, what's happening with, with the show is that, you know, Steve Davison is, is the mastermind who, who kind of developed the storyline, if you will for the show and what he wanted to add into it. But then that's where it becomes somewhat collaborative uh, in working with him because he invites you in to uh, uh, the creative process and making suggestions. And, you know, what if we did this? And I know you want that. And what if we took these things and, and did it this way? And, you know, he, it, it, it's a very collaborative process. And then, Once the show is kind of bought off on the concept of it and what the components are going to be in that show, um, it was a lot of programming that went on in the middle of the night down at DCA. Um, And I spent many nights down there, you know, where I was driving down there at, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night uh, and being in that park overnight while uh they were working on the programming of the show and and i would go down there when they had a sequence or something run, running and you'd be able to watch it and then you know understand what it is you needed to have done if you needed to create a new pr- piece of bridge animation or something like that you could go off and take care of that you know so uh, the thing, the thing about it was that uh, it, it was a show that took months to program uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, again, uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, components. Not just the video projection, but the fountains and how the fountains are moving and the colors going into the fountains and choreographing it to the music and, you know, all of those kinds of things, bubble machines. I mean, you know, just the whole nine yards. And I think what's really beautiful about that show is that it is different and it's refreshing and it, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a contrast to the fireworks at the Magic Kingdom. I love it. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? We have fire and, 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 and water.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> and, and, and I have to tell you, I love the fireworks. Yeah, I love fireworks. I love watching fireworks shows. But you know what? It's nice to be able to say, hey, let's not do the fireworks tonight. Let's go over to DCA and see the world of color.
0: Exactly. I feel it's a great juxtaposition because you have the fireworks and then you have the water works. There you go. So uh, <laughs> very cool stuff there. You know, th- there was a lot of stuff uh, originally that had been planned for the show and this concept and as you're going through as you say the the different run-throughs and the nights and nights of just choreographing everything and fine-tuning things there was a rumor that uh, Bob Iger wanted to kind of make things a little bit more modern with a soundtrack and and stuff like that what's it like when Bob Iger comes by and and looks at the show and says yeah can we rework this Um, and you have to go back to the drawing board what's what's that process like?
1: Well, I mean, that's really part of the process at Disney is that, you know, you do get notes along the way. Uh, you do have uh, executives like Bob coming in and, uh, and they make thoughtful comments. Uh, and it's, uh, it's something that, you know, when they make a comment uh, or a note, uh, you're, you're compelled to go off and look at it. Uh, and, uh, oftentimes you, yeah, my experience has been oftentimes you sit there and go that, you know, that's a pretty good note, you know, uh, or hmm, I'm not sure about that one. Um, you know, I kind of felt like with world of color, um, you know, it should have been all animation, uh, but they, they did jam some, you know, pirates of the Caribbean into it and things like that. Um, I kind of felt like that's a different show you know mm-hmm. when, and, and yeah. by the way not not necessarily uh bad i i'd love to see a world of color show that had you know like was all marvel themed Hey, mm-hmm. i, I know, think that, 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 that great. that'd be kind of fun yeah. I, I think um uh but i think you know when you look at the initial world of color uh, for me, you know, it was it was a celebration of all this animation uh, and, and you know familiar uh, imagery that was being presented in a different way uh, mm-hmm. with the animation properties. So I, you know, look, I I I think when you have that many people together and that much money being spent on a show, um, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into it and you know, they're, they're trying to satisfy the broadest, uh, audience they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there may be a component that goes in that you're not crazy about, but you know, you're like, okay, you know, it's like, that's what they want. Let's do it. At the end of the day,
0: I think it's still, please, pleases so many people. I can tell you that, um, when I saw the pirates, man, it, it, it was just, it was mind blowing too. But I think another cool thing of, uh, as you said, leading back to the modular aspect of the show, was the fact you could drop in, you know, different parts of different movies or animations as they come out, brand new things. And yeah. there was one that I particularly remember with Tron. Uh, were you involved in the Tron uh, segment that was put no. in there? No, no, um, but you did do the Christmas, uh, the Christmas section, yeah.
1: Worked on the one with, uh, Lanny and Wayne, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, from prep and landing and, uh, you know, again, uh, that was the beauty of the show was to be able to go in every so many years and make, uh, you know, adjustments and change out sections and retheme it, you know? So you, you have a, a world of color during you know, most of the year, then you have a holiday world of color. And I think they were even thinking of doing a, a Halloween, uh, you know, uh, with Nightmare Before Christmas and things like that. So,
0: yeah, no, that's awesome. At the end of the day, I think uh, the, the show is absolutely amazing. Just another cutting edge tech uh, show for Disney with this water hydrotechnic show. Um and, and,
1: and by the way, they also did the uh, the light up Mickey Mouse ears that uh, were uh, choreographed. You know, the lighting yeah. uh, was plugged into however they did it, you know, Bluetooth or whatever. Uh, so the ears on, you know, if you wore these special ears, they were they were uh, choreographed to the
0: show that amazes me how that technology whether it's rf right some type of radio frequency it tunes into you know um because it fascinated me when that happened i I was thinking how is this being choreographed it's got to be some kind of near frequency radio uh radio field to do this but it, it, it was it was amazing i was like wow all these things are glowing with the show right so yeah, uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, can you speak a little bit about the music? Because another thing about this is, you know, we play the clip at the beginning of the show. And, yeah. you know, the Walt Disney's uh, Wonderful World of Color comes in from the old TV show. Um, and that's how I envisioned it. When I heard that the World of Color show was, was going to make its debut, I said on my old podcast, I said they got to start it with Walt doing that. It, it was like a no brainer. And of course he did, but the, of the rest of the music tells a, an amazing story. Um, were you there working with the composers? It was Mark Hammond and David Hamilton who did no, that. No, that, was,
1: that was all, that was all Steve Davidson. Steve, you D- know, I, did, Steve. I I had nothing to do with any of the uh, composers uh, or, you know, any of the, the music that was going into it. You know, I was strictly uh, producing the uh, animation visuals that were going into that show and working with, with Steve Davidson to really create some, you know, again, uh, I think it's about not doing a clip show, but taking familiar animation uh, properties, IP, uh, and uh, being able to present it to the audience in a new way, Mm -hmm. uh, which we were doing by creating... Uh, bridge animation and new animations that hooks scenes together and things like that so so you're 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 giving you're giving the audience something that they're familiar with but you're presenting it in a brand new way
0: okay so you led me to my next question a couple more questions on this bridge animation additional scenes or sequences you and your team had to animate um What does that involve? Are you these transitions, if you were, or were there scenes that had to be reworked or touched up to make it look a certain way because of these water screens?
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll give you a great example there. There's there's the Bambi and Thumper skating sequence from uh, Bambi. Mm -hmm. Most of most of us are familiar with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look at it, it's a series of cuts. Uh, you're kind of cutting back and forth, you know, Bambi's on the ice. He's starting to, you know, go down and spin around and you're cutting back to Thumper who's looking and surprised or whatever. So we wanted to uh, do that uh, Bambi skating as all one long scene. So we took all the Bambi scenes and then created new animation to hook them together and then filled in the backgrounds with new background art that matched what was done, you know, 70 years ago, or whatever it is now. Uh, And, uh, and so you're, you're essentially taking this wonderful Frank Thomas animation that was done in 1939, 1940, and, you're adding new bits in between and we're using, you know, good animators who are essentially mimicking uh, Frank's animation style mm. and hooking those scenes together. And once, and, and when it's done well, it's flawless. You can't tell where Frank Thomas's animation ends and a, a contemporary animator uh,
0: where his animation begins. It, is seamless dave you know i watch this thing and you're right it's like it, it just seemed like it was always there so the audience myself who loves bambi you know um it just looks absolutely seamless it, it's like it, it it never was touched or you know touched up at all and, it looks I, and, so
1: and that and that was and that's the whole point when you're doing these things you're you're approaching it with such reverence for the original art uh, that, you know, you, you, you don't want to do a hack job on it. You really want to take the time and do a beautiful uh, uh, hookup, if you will, uh, to extend or hook the animation from one scene to another. And, and that's really uh, the whole point of it. Uh, again, it gets back to the idea that you're not just throwing clips up onto the water screens, you're actually presenting familiar looking uh,
0: animation in a different way. It's a Disney difference. I absolutely love it. It really is. It really is a Disney difference. It's not just a clip show. You know, this show runs anywhere from about 21 to maybe 30 minutes, depending on the different seasonal things uh, that is added on there. Um, And you have done so many different effects in there. Is there any other things like special effects or things that you would suggest in this collaborative effort? That, uh, you know you'd say like wouldn't it be cool if you know in this uh, this particular scene that the lights do this and you're able to do that are you able to kind of you know talk about those yeah of things i mean there, the show,
1: there, there's there's all those kinds of conversations that are going on and there there's throwing ideas out uh i think in in the purest form of a collaboration with somebody like steve davison everything's on the table You know, you can throw an idea out and Steve will think about it for a second and he'll either say, hey, you know, let's look at that or "Mm, no, I don't think I want to do that because of this, you know, and, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, there isn't there isn't somebody sitting there you know saying no it's my way or the highway mm. it's it's literally a very creative collaborative process to do these types of shows and I and I I've always enjoyed I always enjoyed working with Steve Davison period because he was just such a creative genius
0: you know well absolutely well I cannot wait to uh, to revisit that I can't wait to get Neil Patrick Harris on the show because we had Brett Iwan on the show now everybody from from the show has to come on the show and talk about their their time working on world of color any any last tidbits maybe you'd want to you know share with the the team about uh about your work on the show or maybe some things that were cut that that uh that maybe you really wanted to keep, but we're, were no, just I or,
1: mean, you know, something I, I was very happy with the way the show turned out. And the one thing I always tell people is don't, when you go see the show, don't try and get down to the front, uh, right at the, <laughs> you know, the railing on the lagoon. Yeah. I, I think you're better off seeing the show, uh, back a little bit, <laughs> uh, because you really get to take it all in. If you're down at the railing on the lagoon, I think you miss a lot. I, I really what, yeah, do. And on yeah. top of that, depending on the breeze or the wind, yeah. you're going to get wet.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, my favorite place to view world of colors over at the Cove Bar. That's my favorite. Awesome. Yeah. That's All right. My favorite. There you go. Moving on, uh, Dave. That was wonderful. Uh, let's move on to another project you you uh, worked on, which is the Seven Dwarves Mine Train. And in this particular uh, attraction, Magic Kingdom, it's also in Shanghai Disneyland as well. Um, What aspects did you work on? The lighting effects and animation on the dwarves?
1: Uh, You know, when you go into uh, the dwarf mine train coaster, uh, first off, it's one of the smoothest roller coasters. (laughs) One of the smoothest roller coasters. And again, they got a patent for the ride vehicle.
0: Of course, (laughs) because it's
1: it's a mining cart that actually swings uh, uh, on its base. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So like a mining cart. So it's like, you know, the guests are sitting in mining carts. Anyway, um, uh, we worked on the face animation of the dwarf figures, the animatronic figures that are inside the uh, the the mine the, the gem mine mm-hmm. uh, that the coaster goes through. And I have to tell you what we did, I think was groundbreaking at the time because we worked with the Imagineering team on creating animation of the faces that's projected using a little Pico projector mounted inside the head of the uh, each
0: figure. Whoa, whoa, that's where it is.
1: Yeah, so there's a projector inside (laughs) the head that's projecting the animated face onto a rear projection material, right? And so when you balance the rendered animation and the lighting of the actual environment and you tweak that perfectly, what you wind up getting is these animated faces on animating figures and it looks seamless you know uh it it doesn't look mechanical it's not mechanical eyes closing or mouths opening it's it's the 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 fluid pliability of an animated face that you would see in a cartoon but rear projected onto a three-dimensional audio animatronic figure
0: this is not the first time we've seen this type of technology. I know that I remember seeing something similar to it with the Buzz Lightyear um, Space Ranger spin where they're projecting a, a, a face. And I, I, I guess this is the evolution. Of this well, particular one, yeah,
1: I I think so because actually, Mine Coaster, I believe, was the first time we did this, okay. and, and 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 it was something where we did a proof of concept, okay, uh, and again, a down and dirty proof of concept because they had a Wendy figure from the Peter Pan attraction, they had this Wendy figure at the Imagineering facility, and so we went and took some uh, facial animation of um, Rapunzel from Tangled. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we, we took a piece of animation where she's very expressive with her face and we had that animation just sort of locked off so the head wasn't moving around. It was just, just the face. And you know, moving, you know, eyes closing, you know, lips flapping, and all of that, right? And we took that piece of animation and they projected it onto this rear projection material, uh, that they replaced Wendy's face with and, uh, set up, you know, mocked it up, uh, uh in an area of one of the buildings at Imagineering, and, um, when you saw it, you were just like, Oh my God, this is like, you know, you wow. When you wow, uh, colleagues, uh, when, when the people that work behind the scenes are wowed, Mm -hmm. you know, you've done something. Oh yeah. You know? And, and, and again, this was a team effort. Uh, it was a, a lot of, uh, people, uh, with, uh, projection technology, rear projection material, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we pulled the animation and got the animation piece so that you could actually create a proof of concept. And once, once that proof of concept was set up and it was shown to the executives, it was like, Oh my God, we have to do this. (laughs) You know, it it was like that, that was the general sense. And, uh, and and again, it creates, it, it takes, it takes the audio animatronics, up to another level as far as uh, fluidity and realism. They don't look mechanical, they look more alive. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, I think, what was so much fun about working on that project was that it was really uh, experimental and doing something new and different. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun, uh, as did the team, working on that project
0: seemed like a lot of fun as a person that that went on this continues to ride this attraction i look at it it's like yes i mean it is super immersive that storytelling that disney difference when you're walking in and you go through everything and you you sit and ride the attraction when you go up that that uh you know the mine train and you're seeing the dwarves there and they the look on my face like i could only imagine what the first time i saw it was these faces are animated like this is amazing (laughs) you know not only is it colorful but it's they're they're animated i was i was i was blown away because we saw this at the d23 expo the prior year and we saw the testing of the mine carts and how cool it would be to swing back and forth and different accesses and you're like oh this is going to be a great little fun ride but everyone's thinking oh yeah audio animatronics are going to be there of course they're going to be there but then you look at their faces and it's like wow it's just You know, it's animated. It's just a really, really cool effect. And I had no idea that, you know, those faces were being projected from inside with a very, you know, very small, I would say, projector. Um, There's a lot of really cool things in there. Are there any other kind of uh, secret things as uh, working on this particular attraction as an animator that maybe the team had put in there that uh, most people would kind of overlook?
1: No, you know, again, this is this is a whole bunch of disciplines coming together Mm -hmm. and working together, balancing out what each does so that the whole looks incredible. You know, so this had a lot to do with the show lighting. And I really have to give a shout out to the to the folks that were doing the show lighting within, uh, you know, within the attraction. Uh, of being able to balance uh, those uh, elements, uh, the, the lights that they were dealing with, uh, along with what we were doing and how we were rendering the facial animation for the projections. Because once you got that balance right, uh, it became flawless looking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was really the fun part of it.
0: When you look back at this attraction in world of color, um, when you sit back and watch it or you experience the ride for the very first time, what's it like for you to sit back and, and appreciate um, your entire team and and the entire team's work? I mean, you have to have some awesome sense of satisfaction. Oh no, without question. I, I think,
1: I think when you first, you know, the first time that I would see, a show finished like this is how it's going to be presented to the guests. Um, I, you you can't help but have a big smile on your face. I mean, you're super proud of the team that you worked with. Uh, the, you know, the overall you know team that put the whole thing together. But but even for me with special projects, I was always you know incredibly proud of of the folks that worked with me uh, and worked in special projects on these types of projects. Um, I mean, it, it just uh, you're you're just blown away. Uh, you're you're giddy from the standpoint that you can't wait for people to see it, you know, and it's always great to, to hear comments from people, you know, uh, and I would love for our listeners to let us know what they think of world of color or uh, the dwarf mind coaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and their experience on it. Um, I just think the, the entire dwarf Mine coaster just from, from the queue line to riding it, to exiting and standing and looking at the, uh, you know, the, the mountain that they built. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, I mean, the, the level of detail, again, the Disney difference.
0: I love it. You know, I get emotional every time I do the nighttime shows because it connects with me uh, on so many levels. The, it's a soundtrack of my life. Ever since I was a little kid, I remember my my father, you know, checking out those eight millimeter films from the public library and playing them in our kitchen, uh, you know, in the kitchen. All of us would, you know, go in the kitchen and and watch, you know, Disney movies from the public library. And to this day, you know, there's nothing like it, you know, and I like looking at people uh, reacting the same way to those nighttime spectaculars and to the, these different attractions, Dave. So once again, the team and uh, that you worked on these different projects always pull off awesome, awesome things. And so kudos to you and the team. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to, uh, I'd love for, uh, our listeners to email us with their experiences on these things. And, uh, last thing, Dave, on this, have you been uh, watch, have you looked at the people that uh, experience these uh, attractions and, and, and shows? and see the look on their faces maybe yeah. uh, of how how that works how is that for you know you? I
1: have to tell you I always do that uh you know something uh after you know working on a show like say World of Color and, and by the way I do want to mention like each time we did a nighttime show like we did uh, a show in Paris we did a show uh in at Tokyo Disney Seas um each one is different each one has different components Uh, and each one is playing to that particular audience. You know, I know the show we, the nighttime show we did at Disney seas, you know, had animation projections on water screens, had fountains, but it also had floats in the lagoon with live, uh, performers on the floats, singing and dancing. It also had a fireworks component to it. Like that show had everything, (laughs) right. You know? So, uh, so that's always fun, but yeah, when, like when I go down to DCA and, and, and see world of color, uh, while I'm down there, uh, I'm not always looking at the show. I'm actually looking around at the crowd and looking at at, at reactions from people, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that brings a lot of joy to me because you sit there and go, oh, I worked on that show and look at how much
0: joy I'm bringing to all these people, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that you do, Dave. Thank you so much for sharing that. And if you have any questions for Dave on different attractions that he's worked in over time, uh, feel free to drop us that line, Dave, at SkullRockPodcast.com.
1: Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one
0: for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. What, thought, talk about thoughtful discussion. I love that. That was a great, great talk, Dave.
1: Well, you know, it was a great guest, as always. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dave, once again, you have outdone
0: yourself. I'm going back to the green room. <laughs> once, once again, that's, uh, that's great stuff there. Once again guys gals uh, team family if you will if you love disney pop culture like we do please don't forget to subscribe to this show if you just happen to uh, stumble upon us on your favorite podcast platform give us a like and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram be sure to follow uh, and check out our show archive at anchor.fm send us those emails dave at skullrockpodcast.com or John at skullrockpodcast.com dave we have so many great guests coming up But uh, I'll have you, of course, say the final word for this week, as always.
1: Absolutely, Al, John. We do have a tremendous amount of guests coming up. uh, And uh, we always want to hear from our listeners. So if you've got suggestions, you want to hear about something, let us know. We'll try and get a guest booked on to talk about that. Uh, In the meantime, go out and have a fantastic week. It's summertime. Enjoy yourself. The days are long. And we'll see you back here next week.
0: On the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We'd love to thank Charles, Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. To support this podcast to sustain future episodes, visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Podcast.